Welcome to the Super Expander Podcast. My name is Corrine Phelps, your host. I'm a business and growth coach, money mindset expert, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. My journey has taken me all over from working in finance to owning a boutique fitness studio. I found myself burnt out, miserable, and questioning everything. Saying things to myself like, there's got to be more to life than this. Refusing to settle for a mediocre existence, I went all in, learning how to harness untapped potential and rewire the subconscious mind to create an extraordinary life. The last 10 years have been a crash course in self-love, building a business, creating community, building wealth, and doing what it takes to just freaking go for it. My mission is to help you align to your purpose, Rewire your subconscious to support your big dreams and vision and create a life that you're absolutely obsessed with. So sit back, tune in, and prepare to expand. I'm so excited for today's guest. She is my super expander, one of my super expanders, and she has been for for many years. She's a leader. She's an entrepreneur. She's a thought leader. She's a champion for the underdog. And I have so much respect for this woman. Ann Malm is an American entrepreneur, motivational speaker, experienced CEO, business owner, philanthropist, and an athlete. She's currently the founder and executive chairwoman of Solid Core, a fast-growing boutique fitness company that she founded in DC in 2013. In just eight years, Anne has grown the company to more than 85 locations across 27 states with 800 employees. Anne has successfully raised more than $70 million in private equity to be able to grow Solid Core across U.S., her vision has not wavered over the years. She wants to help as many people as possible create the strongest version of themselves. And also the founder of and former CEO of Back on My Feet, a national nonprofit organization that uses running as a vehicle to help those experiencing homelessness change the way they see themselves so that they can change the direction of their lives. She created this organization in 2007, and it has helped thousands of individuals achieving employment and more self-sufficient living. Anne has been honored many times for her leadership and entrepreneurial spirit. She was recognized in 2019 by the Washington Business Journal as one of the women who mean business. And she was named both an ABC World News Person of the Week and CNN Hero for her work on Back on My Feet. She's given three TEDx talks about finding your passion and letting go of complacency and helping others. She's also received notable media attention and highlight for her work, including articles in the Washington Post, Washington Business Journal, and Runner's World. Anne is a true inspiration and she walks the walk. Hello and welcome back to the Super Expander Podcast, guys. I'm so, so excited today because I'm actually going to share with you one of my super expanders and Anne Malum. I'd love to just welcome you to the Super Expander Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Corinne. I'm happy to be here and excited to chat. Yeah. So a little bit of context. I'd love to give just a little bit of context to everyone listening. I actually have been following along on this journey that you've been on for such a long time. I was actually one of like the, I don't know, I think maybe like the second or third day that the Solid Core opened in DC. I took your class in Adams Morgan. I was a regular there for a while, but I live in, in Potomac. So it was like 
it was a little bit of a schlep. And so I had a hard time keeping consistent with that, but followed along the journey and was so just excited. The more studios open, the more opportunities I had to go and just be in that community that you created. So you have been a super expander for me from just day one. So thank you. Wow, I, I remember those days. Like I remember people in my 5 a.m. Did you take the 5 a.m.? Were you one of those? No, I was not ever a 5 a.m. <laughs> the 5 a.m. people and mainly people taking that class would drive in from outside of the district. And I'm just like the dedication these folks have to showing up in this workout was just like, I just sort of knew from that moment. I'm like, this is just going to be something so special. And I remember getting asked like, oh my God, Am, can you like have a 4 a.m. class? And I'm like, no, like I'll give you guys the keys, but I'm not coaching a 4 a.m. class. But I have so many memories of that first studio and it was just, you know, it was so bare bones. I was scraping pennies together to get that studio open. Um, it was very raw, very real. And uh, yeah, I still remember it very vividly. Yeah, so I do too. And it, it's, it's, how many years has it been? Because I actually was trying to think about this before. Yeah, we were... November, November will be nine years. Wow, time really does fly. So it, because I'm really thrilled that I get to have this conversation with you and I, I just, you know, I don't like mincing words. I like just going deep straight off of the, off of the bat. And I feel like just as a, a voyeur of, of all the things that you've done, I have a strong sense of who you are deep down, but now we get to actually talk about it. So who is Anne deep down at her core, at her soul? Oh, wow. Um, I think, yeah, when people ask me sort of what I do, I, I say, I don't say brands of things. I say like, I create authentic branded experiences that make people's lives better. And at, at my core and, and who I am, I am, I am a creator, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a contributor, uh, I'm curious, I, I challenge the status quo, and I think, I know, I step, into, I step into my power and my truth, and I live life on my own terms, and uh, being from North Dakota, and growing up there, and reflecting of my upbringing there, everything was pretty uh, homogenous. Everybody's life sort of looked the same. Relationships looked the same. Family construct looked the same. And so I know I had a very curious mind from even a little girl of like, what else is out there? And so I'm really proud of the steps that I feel like I have made in my life to figure out what works for me because that, that life that is back there and, and no judgment, my family's back there. I go back to North Dakota a lot. I just knew wasn't sort of, wasn't me. And I, I knew I had to go find that. Oh, I love that. So, so many of the things that you're describing in there are part of why I, you're such an expander for me. So watching your, your journey and just the way that you show up so unapologetically and so willing to just kind of share the journey, whether it's perfect or not, it's just, you are an open book, which is, I think a very, very rare thing in just, the world today because everyone wants to show up and it be perfectly polished and they're afraid to start something without it being actually perfect and that's just not that isn't life and I think one of my one of my favorite things actually is the fact that you are such a champion for the underdog oh yeah and I think we all are because you know think about it there's only one quarterback of the football team there's only one captain of the cheerleading team and then there's the rest of us 
So the rest of us end up feeling like underdogs. It's why, I don't know if you're into the US Open, but I, I go to that event every year. And TFO, who was the American this year, is a black male from BC. I mean, this guy's story is extraordinary. You know, he literally like lived in the building where his parents were like, they, his dad was like the janitor and maintenance guy of a tennis facility and they lived in the office and he just was like picking up rackets. They had no money. And everybody was rooting for this guy because we all see a little bit of ourselves in the underdog and not having everything we possibly need to, to sort of succeed. So yeah, I, I find a lot of, a lot of joy in helping folks who maybe thought a certain world or life wasn't possible for them, making them realize that it actually is and um, try to like lead by example in that way. I didn't, I didn't come from, I didn't come from money. I went to public school. I got decent grades. My test scores were average, but all of that stuff pales in comparison when you have a drive and a passion to do something great. And that is what I attest like all of my success to is just wanting to do great things. So something I think that is really valuable, everyone should just kind of like rewind and listen to, to that again, is that your grades were average. The things that you were doing were in that average lift. But like, look at what you've created and accomplished today as anything but average. So I think that's like such proof. I think that so many people think that these companies that are doing big things that are creating big impact aren't really driven by people who are just like regular people. I mean, we're all regular people. And that the thing that drives that is, is the passion and the, the purpose behind it. Yeah. I can remember my first moment of what that felt like. And it was, I, I had created uh, and founded a nonprofit in 2007 called Back on My Feet, which uses running to help people who are currently currently experiencing homelessness change their identity. And then through that change, we can help them become more self-sufficient, move out of the homeless shelters and you know into jobs and into more stable housing. And I remember like when this organization started, it was just running. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be so much more than running. I see it, I feel it. And nobody saw what I saw. Everybody saw why it wouldn't work, why this was such a Pollyanna way to view the world. Admirable, but like, does she really think this is gonna work and she's gonna be able to, to build this and, and really get these people who are currently homeless, not homeless? It was like a pipe dream. And I remember walking around the streets of Philly when I'm like, I, I know I can do this, but I had to fight against all of the noise. And again, the the, the, the doubts, which the world is full of doubts. The world is full of doubters because people doubt themselves and they put those doubts on other people. And I remember looking like at all the buildings and all the businesses that were there. And I'm like, one person had an idea at some point to create that. And it came from one person. Like, why can't I be that person? Why does it have to be somebody else? I'm excited enough. I'm, I know I'm smart enough. I'm passionate enough. I'm committed enough why can't it be me? And I sort of have carried that way of thinking through the rest of my choices since I've been 26 years old. Such power. It's, it actually blows my mind that people might doubt that just with the power of the way what happens when we start showing up and doing something consistently and especially combining that with exercise what happens like how could that not work for to pull somebody who's homeless out of the kind of rut that they're in, the, yeah. the 
crystal stair, the rock bottom. You're just like literally putting one foot in front of the other. And then all of a sudden the physiology that's happening in the body. It's like, I don't understand how anybody could even doubt that. Oh my God. I mean, I had the same feeling. I'm like, I don't think that they're going to change their life any other way. If we don't get their emotional and mental state different than it is today, plus their physical state where they start believing that they deserve more, are capable of more, can do more, want more, they're going to be homeless the rest of their lives. They're going to never step up to their potential. But if we can create an environment that is supportive and positive of them moving their lives forward and we celebrate that, that's going to become something that they get addicted to. And you want, we all search for those environments. And, you know, I I don't actually know where that came from at a young age, but I was fully aware that humans are all the same. We all want right above food and shelter, our, our, you know, Maslow hierarchy of needs is this emotional desire to be loved, cared for, appreciated, valued, cheered for, respected. We want to be in those environments. And these guys didn't have any of that. So it's like, if we can put that environment and put them in there, of of course their life is going to change. It's just not so complicated, but everybody makes, oh my God, homelessness is such a complicated issue. I'm like, it's really not, You, 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 it starts with people and we have to start with their identity and how they see themselves. And to just think that you can skip all of that is ridiculous in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're wise, wise beyond your age when you started that journey. My age is catching up with me these days. I feel like I'm not well, longer. I'll say that. We're like literally, I mean, I'm only like, two, I'm like two years older than you. So just, just <laughs> I feel like I need to, my wisdom needs to start like graduating more. I'm like, oh yeah, that's like what a 41 year old should know, but whatever. Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's, don't we like internally, we all like start to, I think it's like 23, 25 is when we stop like the age that we stop. Not that our wisdom doesn't continue right. to grow from right. there. We stop seeing ourselves beyond that that scope. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, you know, whatever 41 means, but you know, you asked me who I was in the beginning and and people who know me really well, like I'm super silly. I'm very playful. I love games. Like I feel like I'm a 12-year-old kid that, and that is a big part of of who I am and how I want to spend my time and who I want to spend my time with. Like I like I like puns, I like callback jokes, I like being goofy, I like very playful. Um, whether it's sports activities or just personality wise. And I, I joke around, um, I joke around a lot. Well, that's, you know, gotta, gotta keep things fun. I think that's really yeah. the, the spice yeah. of life, right? So you have a, a lot of things that you are kind of like in, in the air right now that you're working on. I think something that I was on my radar to, to kind of have a conversation about was you have a huge movement, which movements are, are your thing, right? Like creating movements. And, and there's a new one that's, that's sort of taking off. And it's been really cool to watch the journey and the education that's been coming forth around the 60 days sober. Is it 60 days or 90 days? Am I messing that up? 90 days, 60 well, it's days. Funny, it's funny you say that because it's currently 60, but um, I'm going to switch it to 90 because I just had my 90 days and I feel so much different at 90 than I did 60. And I feel so much more capable to handle my relationship with alcohol after 90 days than I did at 60. So like, we're going to evolve it a little bit into, into 90 days, but yeah, listen, oh my God, I could, we could talk for hours about, about alcohol, um, just based on the learning and, and, and reflecting and researching and connecting I've done on that this year. And it's, it's so interesting because, you know, I, I stepped down as solid core CEO last year and I took some healthy like liquidity off the table in a deal that we did. 
and I sort of was like, oh, like I've, I've made it like, you know, my life now needs to look sort of so different and I can do things that other people, you know, sort of can't do. And, and I started to live a nomadic life and I started to sort of let my rules be very fuzzy. So if I wanted to have a cocktail at one in the afternoon, I would have a cocktail. You know, I was playing a lot of volleyball. I was moving around a lot. Like once, once the stimulus of one city sort of ran off, I'd be like, I'm going to go to Miami for a couple of weeks. And after like five months of that, I was so sick of it. And I realized I just want my routine. I want to live healthy. I want to eat the same food every day. I want to work out, you know, consistently. I want to drink water. I want to be on a schedule and like, I want to get back to creating. And so I, you know, started to, I came back to New York in February and then I went on a ski trip in, in March and I went with two of my really close friends. We drank a little bit when we were there and we had a really big last night and I drank too much and I was in bed by 7.30 and I woke up at 3.30 with a massive headache and then I went back to bed and then woke up, you know, seven in the morning and I'm like, I feel like shit. I'm like, what, what am I doing? Like, when, when am I going to grow up? And if I'm not willing to change my relationship with alcohol now, what has to happen in my life? Like, do I need to get more success? Do I need to have a crisis? Do I need to, you know, because I think we all tell ourselves we'll grow out of it at some point. Like I won't drink like this forever, but again, I was 41 and I, I didn't, I couldn't see something in the future that was going to be a moment. And I'm like, it's going to be now because if not now, when? And I didn't have a good answer to that question. So I did what we all do, which is another 30 day prove to myself, I don't need alcohol, you know, challenge. But I said, I'm going to go a little deeper on it. And I want to start to read and understand why alcohol is a big part of our life, societally speaking, for so many of us and, and why I allowed it to permeate pretty much every moment of my life every celebration, every stressful moment, every great day, every long day, every Tuesday, every dinner, every after a workout catch up, like it was just everywhere. It was at home by myself at the end of the day. It was just part of my routine. And I did the 30 days, learned a lot. And I thought, okay, cool. I'm not going to go back to drinking the way that I was, but the mental gymnastics started. And every day I was like, can I have a drink today? Okay. If I have a drink today, then I can't have one tomorrow. What am I doing tomorrow? Do I really need one right now? What if I just have one today and then I can have one tomorrow? So I, have two, I mean, it was just like exhausting. And I realized over the work that I have done in my own experience, what keeps people going back to drinking is your hippocampus. And that is where the memory, our memory lives in our brains. And alcohol is addictive for all of us. And what alcohol does is it hijacks your dopamine and serotonin levels and it, it releases it right away. If I had a drink right now, I, I would feel good. It happens within minutes. And so your brain realizes that there's a shortcut to happiness. And that sounds great. Can you please do that? And when you have those memories and those moments where you've included alcohol, the brain also says, hey, this is a time that we have alcohol. So what the most important thing I learned is I need to get more reps underneath my belt of having events, moments without alcohol so that my brain is rewired that when I'm at dinner, which I was last night, 40 strangers, 40 founders in New York. And my brain doesn't go alcohol. Hello. This is totally a perfect alcohol moment. It is. We've had plenty of dinners with new people that you haven't drank and you don't need that. So the time, 
And why, why 90 days I feel like is so important is you can't hibernate for 90 days. Most people do this 30 day sober January. Well, my goodness, what are people doing in January after the holidays? They're staying in, they're isolating, they're hibernating. So now they associate sobriety with all of that. And you don't want your life to be that way. But 90 days, especially if you're going to try it in the summer, fall, and spring, you have to go out into the wild. You, 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 you're going you're gonna to have a wedding, a birthday, an event, something. You can't just hide from people. So you learn that, oh, I don't really have to engage with alcohol in that same way anymore. And you show yourself. Oh, my gosh. So such gold and goodness in all of the things that you said there. I love that you were talking about the rewiring of your brain, though, because I think that that's, I mean, it's outside of alcohol. It's really, that's the key to all of the things that we want to create in life because you have to front load the heart, right? And that's the mental gymnastics that you're talking about. It's, It's like metaphorical across the board, but with the alcohol being such, it's something that's like, woven into the fabric of our entire society and it starts at such a young age and like when we're in the like high school to college age it's kind of expected to be to binge drink and there's no judgment around it and then we we come out of college and when you're when you're in your early 20s you're still doing it but you're like kind of hiding it at that point right and it's like you you do it on the weekends versus feeling like it's okay during during the week and then all of a sudden you're you're you know, in your thirties and in your forties and no, every once in a while, you're still drinking too much or it's become socially acceptable to just consistently have a cocktail every single night and don't even realize the weight that it's putting on you every single day and how it's like keeping you from achieving more in your life. Oh my God. It's, it's, and you know, the alcohol industry and society has done such a great job of convincing us we're either alcoholics or we don't have a problem with alcohol. And if your life isn't in runes. And if you're not losing your job and your relationship isn't falling to shit and you're not like showing up late to places, you're not an alcoholic. Therefore you can continue to drink and it's fine. Having a hangover a couple times a week is just sort of part of life. It's the price you pay for fun or decompressing or, you know, whatever else. And think about the jokes that people make. Like when someone shows up and they're so hungover, we're like, we celebrate it and we high five it. We joke about it. But imagine if I'd show up and be like, oh my God, like I'm so sick. I ate 14 bananas last night. You would be like, maybe, maybe don't eat 14 bananas. Like we would never allow anything else to, we'd be like, that is so ridiculous and silly and stupid. Like, why are you doing that to yourself? Or like eat so much food that you have a stomach ache. We'd be like, you have a problem. But it's just like all fun and games with alcohol and the industry. And this is when I also just got so upset. Like I got, I got angry. I'm like, these effing people have been like bamboozling us for so long and they target all of us. They target the health nuts, drink tequila, vodka, Michelob Ultra. Like this is for people that if you still want your six pack, you can still have your alcohol and they go to the nutrition facts and make us feel like we're making responsible choices and forget to remind us that we're putting poison in our body that gets absorbed by every single organ. Every organ absorbs alcohol and muscle tissue is one of the first that does it. And I just think about how much time and energy and money I spend on trying to be healthy. And then I was like completely combating it by putting alcohol in my system. So I started to get upset about it and just like, gosh, there's so many people benefiting from my drinking and I'm not one of them. 
I am not one of them. Like restaurants, bars, people taking my money, keeping me small, keep me making bad decisions on food, obviously buying the alcohol itself. No wonder society wants us to continue drinking. A lot of people benefit when we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I, it is really ironic when you start to think about that it's a neurotoxin that we're drinking when you drink alcohol. And somehow that has become like an okay thing to do is to, to drink a neurotoxin. Yeah, and, and then how we, like even last night at this dinner, you know, I gravitated to some folks who like weren't drinking, but I just was reflecting off of it today. And, you know, cause people are like, oh, you can still go, but not drink. Honestly, it's not like that much fun when people are really drinking because they're not gonna remember your conversation. And they might make commitments or promises or say things like, I don't want you not to remember this. And I'm showing up full as my hundred percent present self. And I did that, you know, I'm doing it and did it last night because I'm trying to make some quality connections here and I don't want them to be shallow. I don't want them to be, uh, you know, full of like bad judgment or, or, or again, just sort of not authentic. Like that's not, that's not fun. Even dating, right? They're like, Oh my God, you have to drink to date. And I'm like, now you're showing up as two people where your prefrontal cortex, you know, again, is impairing your judgment with each other and you're not who you are. Like, why do we, why are we starting relationships like that? Like yeah, wondering why they don't work later. It's, it's really, it's just really wild when you break it down. And again, I'm not judging because I drank for 20 some years, but I want people to start to ask themselves these questions and like, wake up to these things because we just, we, we do everything. We'll change so many things in our life. We'll wake up early, go to bed early, get more sleep, drink water, work out, you know, go vegan, but like, don't touch my liquor. I'm not, nope, nope. Like do not touch my booze. And it's probably the one thing that's holding you back. So, so you're 90 days in. Yeah. Outside of the feeling and like all of those things that are, you're feeling so much better. What is, I would say, or what would you say is like the most tangible outcome so far that continues fueling you to on this on this journey I mean I'm totally leveling up my life like I've, I've raised since I've stopped drinking and I had these plans to do it but still happened during these times I've raised five million for my new venture I'm opening four locations for this new venture next year. I've hired four people, not just with Ambition, which is the new company, but I've invested in Ann Mallam Enterprises. So working on my brand, we're working on a book, a podcast, a coaching program, like all of these things. And that is coming from the self-esteem and confidence that I feel. And I thought I was, again, confident before. It's like, it's like a whole new level. And I'm like, I have things to share and teach. I have things to say. And like, I'm investing my own money in myself, hiring people to know that that's an investment in what's to come uh, in the success that is sort of forward. So I now have all this additional time and energy where I'm so focused that I'm like, I have more time to do things that I want to be doing. I'm not wasting two hours of my evening decompressing, consuming, you know, alcohol and then passively, whether it's like on my phone or TV or just not connecting in a quality way. And additionally, then I show up the next day at 100%, you know, at 5.36 in the morning. Are you kidding me? Like, you just start to level up. It, it's a domino effect that you start to, like, even eating plant-based. I didn't plan to do that. And I'm not 100% there. I, I would say, like, I'm, like, 80%, 90%. But it just happened. I'm, like, well, I'm putting not putting that garbage in my body. Like, why don't I try to just eat no meat, no dairy, 
no sugar. And like, see how that feels. And I think too, like, you know, all these comments that people say, like, live a little, loosen up. I feel like we have this society that people want you to be messy, to be relatable, you know, and all that really means is I want you to be messy. So I don't have to feel so bad about the decisions that I'm making about my life, or we think someone's life is boring. If it's like, wait, you're eating plant-based, you don't drink alcohol, you go to bed at nine, you do this. And like, yeah. And like, I am making an, every decision that I make, I'm making an investment. It's not just making me feel good in the moment, but it makes me feel good tomorrow, next week. And I love the quote, hard choices, easy life, easy choices, hard life. And so many people, and again, I'm, it's not a judgment, but we have to learn so many people, especially with the attention span that we have today because of social media, it's decreased from 12 seconds to eight or seven. I can't remember which one. We just want immediate gratification all the time. We are on this pleasure treadmill. We want it now. We want to feel good now. We want our Amazon thing now. We want the fried chicken. I mean, everything is just at our fingertips and you got to really be careful to like say no to a lot of those things. I have a question for you. Have you joined the super expander free mentorship community? If not, what are you waiting for? Stop what you're doing right now and text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. Text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. I send out weekly tips and inspiration to help you grow your business, to step into your wealthiest, most highest self, to harness your full potential and live an exceptional and extraordinary life. And the best part is it's really me sending those messages. So text me, say hello, and send me your questions. Yeah, it's absolutely. I think the attention span, I think goldfish now, it's proven that the goldfish actually have a, a longer attention span than we I believe it. do, which is absolutely crazy. So the compound effect of literally showing up, it's just like every single day you're growing, expanding, and there's a new level to reach in, in each day because alcohol isn't dampening your focus and, and yeah. I don't know, like so many, so many other things. And I'm not, oh, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm also, I'm also like, I, I'm not irritable. I I can like think back and like, I was irritable before things would get to me and I feel like I had a shorter fuse. I would get frustrated easily and like kind of felt entitled to be frustrated because I'm, you know, the CEO boss, I have this stuff and it would be like, it's okay for me to be frustrated. And I don't have that anymore. Like, the quality of my relationships in my life right now with my family, with my, my, my um, colleagues, with my friends, like they are so much better. And I, I, I will attest my 50% in that, that I am just honest showing up. And I just like, it takes a lot to rattle me. It takes a lot to like upset me. Um, I feel calmer. I feel, I, I, it's, it's, it's different. I know we talk about feeling better, but like, that's a direct example of I show up differently and other people have noticed it, not just myself. Well, I think, well, then that starts to have a, a ripple effect, right? When we show up differently, right. then that, that impacts other people, right? And that actually truly starts an actual 
ripple effect in, in the world, right? Not only the fact that you're experiencing something pleasurable now without alcohol and that starts to bring a ripple effect, but your actual energy because how we yeah. show up impacts other people. So that's yeah. huge in, in and of itself. Cause I think that like, I think we discount the, how oftentimes, like if we are irritable, how that the chain effect actually happens, right? Whether it's in your life and your business, whatever it happens to be. Well, and we, we justify it. We justify the irritability because that person pissed me off. That person did that. That person didn't do their work right, whatever it is. But like, we are allowing that emotion to, to live in us and, then we show up and we snap at that person. And then that person has a, you know, has a perceived image of our own reputation. And it just, it just doesn't like, it's just, it's just not worth it. And um, I think the justification equation with alcohol or with anything that you know that you quote unquote, like shouldn't be doing, the justification equation is always going to equal, don't change, don't do it, or you deserve it. And I used to do that all the time with alcohol. I'm like, what is the big deal? Like I eat right. I work out. I'm, I'm not in debt. I make a lot of money. I'm successful. Like I would literally go down the list of things that I'm doing well in so that I could have alcohol and feel good about it. Even knowing that like, this is not serving me in any which way, but I wanted it. And so I would make an argument for it. And our brains are very good at arguing for what we want, even when it's not in our best interest. Yeah. So I want to kind of dive into your new venture, which, you know, having the absence of alcohol has really moved along, but like expedited all of it. So I'm excited to hear about that. But one thing that you said that I kind of want to highlight is that that piece about um, when we start to show up doing things differently, the sort of like the negativity that you might receive coming from yeah. other people being a mirror. Because that what happens is when we start rising and other people see it and you start getting the flack. So you start to get the haters, right? The haters come in or the, like, the negative comments start coming in because you've shown, you've like, turned a mirror on where they need to expand and grow. Yeah. So I feel like I just want to touch on that for a second because anybody that starts on this journey has to be kind of ready to experience that and like would you I don't know any sort of insights on ways that you can I don't know hold your power when that starts to happen yes and and we talk about that a lot on our 60 day sober call and also anybody interested can just go to 60daysober.com and we start new to we start like a new 60 which will soon be 90 um so if you want to get in now you only have to do 60 but um but we start every like two to three weeks or so and yeah it's um you know, we talk a lot about that and, and I'm actually bringing up on tonight's call that I want people to start stepping into their power and realizing that no thank you is a complete sentence. And I don't want people to constantly feel like they have to justify and that we're worried about other people's either judgment or feelings all the time, especially as women, we don't want to make people feel badly. So we're like, oh, I'm not really drinking right now, but like, thanks so much. Like I'm doing this challenge thing, you know, so we downplay it. We downplay it as much as we can to make the other person feel comfortable. And I mean, if we were out and you were like, oh, I don't eat red meat, you wouldn't say like, hey, but like, it's okay. Like it's, you know, whatever, all the other things that we sort of do in our life, like we don't start to justify it in that way, but alcohol, we just want to make the other person feel like it's okay for them to drink. And I want people like our decisions are not on trial. Like there's not a jury out there to decide if our decisions are worthy or not of your judgment. This is my decision and I'm not, I'm, I'm not drinking. No, thank you. 
if someone offered me cocaine, I wouldn't be like, gosh, like I'm not really doing cocaine right now, but like, thanks. Like, you know, I, I would just say, no, man, I'm good. Like, that's all I would say. So I want, I want to, to show our participants in this to really, because it's a domino effect there too. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, apologizing, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm not drinking. And women do this all the time. Like whenever we know it's gonna make someone else feel badly about something that they're doing, we wanna like take that discomfort away from them. And I want, I want people to stop doing that. Just say, no, man, I'm good. I don't drink. Yeah. What do you mean you don't drink? I, I don't drink. Why? I don't want to. Like we try to over explain and like, oh, I'm doing this commitment thing or like digestive issues. I'm training for something because we don't want to deal with it. And I'm like, it just, that's when you can start to do it here, like it's a great time to practice. You're going to start to do it in other areas of your life. Hey, I'd, I'd like a raise. The value that I'm adding to this company is this. And I'd like a raise. I'm, Hey, I'm really sorry. Like, you know, I'd like, I really need to make more money. I know this. I'm really grateful though. I'm really great. Like we just beat around the bush so often for the uncomfortable conversation and Brene Brown She's got this great podcast and she's got this acronym called Braving About Trust. And I'm going to forget which one it is, but she talks about, you know, when you see somebody in the street that you haven't seen, you know, in a year and you're like, oh my God, it's so good to see you. And then at the end, you're like, we should grab coffee sometime when you really don't mean it. And you should just say, it was really good to see you. Have a great day. And like sit in the moment of discomfort and walk away because you're just, you're just placating the emotion. Like you don't mean it, but you're saying it to like, make sure you don't feel bad, even though you're never going to call that person for coffee. Like yeah, we do it so many subconscious messages that are being sent on right. that. And it feels so icky when you say it, because you're feel like you're actually just lying, right? It's, it's a lie that you're, lie. and you're, you're saying it, you're looking at each other dead in the eyes, lying into each other. Like, yeah, we totally want to hang out and have coffee. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. I, what, what a great, uh, analogy there so yeah let's 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 move into talking about ambition because I'm, I'm really excited to hear all about it I want to hear about the vision like what's coming all of it so tell me sure. all of this. yeah so ambition so when I was sort of back in New York in February and so and I'm running around to all the boutique fitness concepts like everybody else is and was sort of realizing that you know why isn't anybody putting the best in class workouts underneath one roof with the best in class coaches. And instead of like all these boutique fitness and, and solid core is the same, we offer one workout. It's there's one thing for you. To, it'd be like going to an Italian place. Like we only offer one thing here and we offer one thing to drink and that's it. And so in addition to solving that problem of having a space, so it's 6,000 square feet, there's two rooms, one room will be heated. So, and it's going to really going to be like yoga inspired, like much more athletic movements, a lot of isometric hold, things like that. And there'll be recovery in that one. And then the other one, there'll be a lot of athletic conditioning, you know, hit Tabata to really work on your cardio and strength training. And what I wanted to do a couple of things was bring some sophistication and some education into the boutique fitness world. You know, a lot of people are doing workouts where they're just like checking the box and there's not real purpose. Like, what are you trying to accomplish here? And some people just want to move their body. And that's an option at Ambition too. We have a lot of variety for you. Do you want to move your body? But most people are trying to achieve something. They either want, 
you know, more cardio or cardio endurance or strength endurance. They want to lose weight. They want to like have gains, more muscle tone. And, and I also feel like we can't talk about that anymore. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I work out to try to keep my body looking the way that it is. And I also continue to want to build, you know, muscle and strength. That's why I work out. And so we're going to add some more education to that and help people when you sign up to be a member at Ambition, what your goals are. And we have the programming to direct you on what classes to be taking to help you achieve that. And then additionally, we're doing a lot of in-person and online content, not workouts, but more on the lines of helping people achieve their overall wellness, which will be around the sobriety piece of things, around the eating, the plant-based stuff around showing, you know, like there'll be like a whole coaching thing involved with it around showing up as your like most ambitious self. Like we have this saying of what would your ambition do? And we want to teach people like that in our, in our studio so that when they're out in the world and they want to do something, they want to ask the guy out, they want to go for the job, the promotion, they remember our community and how we ask people to show up and like, are you keeping yourself small? So that's sort of the brand behind everything, but it's just this more sophistication in the boutique fitness world that's really based on science and education. Oh, I got chills. You're talking about all of that because I, I mean, so I've spent many, many years in the fitness industry. I taught yeah. yoga and Pilates for, for 15 years. And I feel like it is a huge gap in the fitness industry is the, like, there's a lot of junk out there, right? It, yeah. there really is. And when you come in and you have an intention and so many people just think that you can do this one thing to get to your, to your end right. goal and they don't really show up by like adjusting it or really having the access to the education on all the multitude of different pieces. So it's, it sounds like a very holistic and comprehensive approach all in one place because you, and you need that, right? Because it's kind of like when you start to self-prescribe and you're going to do this thing over here and this thing over here, and then this thing over here, but none of the pieces are actually speaking to each other. It's much harder to get to where you want to go. Yeah. And, and I, I just feel like the fitness industry has just moved, like, just move your body and it's fine. I'm like, I, I, it is okay. Like I, I don't approach anything else in my life that way. Like whatever happens, happens, you know, like, no, I'm building a company. I'm not raising money and being like, I raise money. And like, if this company gets off the ground, you know, I'll try, like there's direction behind it. There's vision behind it. And I feel like we've gone so far in the other direction in the fitness industry where we can't talk about like results. And like, I remember feeling so frustrated before I founded Solid Core. I'm like, I work out all the time and I'm putting so much energy into it, but I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. Like I, I knew how I wanted my body to look and what I was trying to achieve on an aesthetic standpoint, but I wasn't getting there because I was just doing cardio all the time. I didn't, I didn't understand you know, the weight training piece and how much to lift and how heavy to lift and how often to lift for what I wanted to look like. And I, you know, and to go back to the yoga piece even, and I love yoga too, but a lot of times I feel like I need a second workout and ambition will not be the place where we say things like, if you just need to lay on your mat today, that's fine. We're going to push you harder than that. We want you to show up when it's hard and you just want to lay on your mat you're going to show yourself you are capable of doing the hard work. And you're going to remember this, that when you didn't want to do it and you did it anyway, that you are powerful enough to push through when it feels super challenging. So like we sort of want to, we want to kind of make people pretty uncomfortable in that setting of like, it's time for you to like lift a heavier weight. 
and taking all of that, again, the physical pushing and how our language is going to be and talking to folks and help them really step into that power when they're not inside those four ambition walls. Uh, totally here for, for all of it. And like the whole not being able to talk about results and like things being hard. I, I, we definitely have moved into a place in a space where it's like, can't do this and can't do that for fear of being canceled or making somebody feel bad about not wanting to push themselves. So I mean, seriously, there should be a memo like every week that we get of like, here are the words you can't say this week and the words that you can say this week. And, you know, I got to also talk about like the body positivity movement, which is just gone so far over. I remember this Instagram post that Betches did and it had this woman, you know, making fun of like, you know, people who are like, this is what I eat in the morning. This is my mid-morning snack and then my lunch and I have a light whatever. And she was just, you know, eating McDonald's, fried chicken, ice cream, like all day. And, and she was overweight. And I'm like, I'm sorry, we have to talk about this. Like that is, we like obesity is, is a disease and it is killing people. It is not good for you. You're talking about heart disease. Like we need to manage um, our weight. We need to manage the food we put in our bodies and like just eating fried food every day, all day. Like there's enough research to show you're talking about high, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. You're talking about heart disease. You're setting yourself up for a heart attack, diabetes. Like, why are we celebrating unhealthy decisions and killing ourselves? It's a slow burn. It's insidious. You're not going to die from having fried chicken, but like, we can't make these impulse decisions all the time and expect us not to have a price to pay at some point in our lives. This country is sicker than ever. There is more people who, who are dealing with chronic, you know, whether it's again, heart disease, cancer, and from all of the research I've done, and I do a lot of reading on this, we are in control of 80%. Our lifestyle choices control 80% of our outcome in regard to our overall health. That's a big number. And so many people and us are just get dismissive of it and think, oh, it's just my genes. And it's just not true. That's another excuse that people want to find. You need to work out, sleep well, drink water, put the right foods in your body. Like there is a formula out there that has been shown that it works. And so, yeah, I just find the whole, the whole thing of like, we can't talk about that. Pretty super annoying. I'm with you. We can talk about it all day long here. <laughs> so it's been quite a journey from back on my feet to solid core. And now you're building another huge company, which is, you know, in, in the works. There had to have been some people along the way that have inspired you and been super expanders for you. So I'd love for you to share a story of a super expander. Yeah, honestly, like my friend Jay, um, my friend Jay has been one for me and he started doing 75 hard and Jay like used to, Jay used to live a very different lifestyle. Him and I have been friends for seven years. He was, you know, probably 75 pounds heavier than what he is um, today. He's 46 or 47 years old. And the guy is just constantly like leveling up. And when he was doing 75 hard, I was like, oh my God, this was like last year. I'm like, oh my God, I could never not drink. And he's like, and like, yes, you can, you know? And he's like, do 75 hard. I'm like, no, I just couldn't do the alcohol piece. Like, there's just no way. Like I do everything else like pretty well. Like I'm not giving up alcohol. And he was a big reason of like constantly encouraging me and inspiring me along the way and watching him make these difficult choices and, and figure it out and like really own his decisions when he decided to do something. So he was a big part of my 
you know, sobriety piece um, that started this this year. And, you know, other people that I don't know personally, like I, I love Brene Brown and I love Glennon Doyle because I think that they, there are certain things that I don't like love about everything that they do, but that's with every person you're going to find. But um, I have always felt very empowered by their words, their writing, um, very like vocal women out there with their voices. And it's encouraged me to continue to find my voice. And like, I have things to say that are important and I love when Renee Brown talks about like the man in the arena and she, she didn't invent that quote. I forget it was Roosevelt um, who said it, I'm pretty sure, but just like, you know, there are people that are sitting in these seats who are constantly just throwing stones um, at people who are doing the work in the arena. And if you're not willing to suit up and get in there and participate and take the criticism and play big, like, I don't care what you have to say. And I think it's a badge of honor to even say that. You can't say that if you haven't gone through it. And two, two years ago, I mean, I've dealt with plenty of resistance in my life, but two years ago, there was this BuzzFeed article that, that came out about me that pretty much just attacked like who I was as a person. And there was anonymous ex-employees, you know, worked at Solid Core talking about how demanding I was, how, you know, like emotionally abusive, like you name it. And it was just like, you know what, if, you know, former employees and, and, and I, I have things I can learn and grow from, but if you're going to be a coward and go to the press and anonymously, like you are trying to deliberately hurt and cause harm. And I can say with a straight face and full honesty, like I never meant to cause harm to any of those people who felt harm. I didn't know I was causing harm. And if you don't have the decency to sit down and have a conversation with me, if I said or did something that landed wrong or hurt you and offer me any grace, wait till it's your turn and wait till you mess up when you are going to need grace from other people. And the people who throw stones always forget that. They never think that they're ever going to screw up. They never think that they're ever going to put their foot in their mouth or say the wrong thing. Or if they do, they want people to judge them by their intentions and not their actions. I didn't intend to do that. So I just, um, yeah, I found a lot of like grace in the Brene stuff and listening to other women who went through challenging moments of people criticizing them, not living up to the expectations of who they are. And I'm like, these are just all people in the cheap seats who who choose to expend their energy criticizing others because they don't have what it takes to, to put on the armor and suit up and, and get in the arena. Oh, so much true. That's, and it is such a, I think, I think as you grow in success, right, it's to be expected that these sorts of things start to happen. But I think that no matter where we are in, in that particular journey, it does still doesn't, it still freaking sucks. Right. And it's, it's hard to, I think, hear those sorts of things and have it not sting, especially when you know that you showed up in yeah. integrity and with the, like no, no malintent, like you didn't ever mean to, to make someone's feelings if they, if it was hurt feelings, or I don't know if somebody felt too, something was too demanding, which to me, when I hear that really is that they knew that they were capable of more, but didn't rise to the occasion. Yeah. And listen, again, I've said things I wish I shouldn't have said, right. And I've said things on purpose to hurt people at some point in my life that like, I regret, but we've all, we've all done that. Like, and again, I'm not a perfect being. My emotions have gotten the best of me, 
you know, at times. And it's the recognition of that and apologizing. But if we're going to take away, like, again, I feel like with women, we want to lift like society, at least they fake it, like want to lift women up and, and get them and like encourage them and support them. But once they get there, it's like, oh, hell no. Like we didn't really mean that. Or like, we didn't mean really get that high. So then it's like, let's bring her back down to earth. I mean, Hillary Clinton, obviously in 2016 election, it was just, you know, she was the most obviously qualified and, and capable person for that role. But, and a lot of women were the ones who actually took issue, you know, with her in that role. And I have found that women are way worse than, than usually men can be when women find success. And I think part of that is based off of, we've been trained and told that there's only room for so many of us and we need to, we need to band together. And you, you hear about all these guys bringing their guy friends in on certain deals. Like when there's opportunity, we need to pull women in and be like, you should get in on this. And I think that that's, you know, really important. And we all need to be doing, doing our part here. Like the other woman is not the enemy. And if she is the enemy, that's your own insecure bullshit that you need to figure out and deal with and not put it, you know, on that other person. Oh my gosh. So, so true. <sighs> so I feel like we could just sit here and talk about all these things for, for such a long time. Yeah. I, I have a tendency to like derail us. Sorry. I didn't <laughs> No, it's okay. I'm like, Oh, we're just going to have to have another podcast yeah. conversation because yeah. there's so many things to, to talk about, but I know that you are busy and I value your time. So what I would love is if there's one just like juicy parting words of like just one word of wisdom. I mean, it's all been wisdom, but like one, one parting piece for everyone listening, what would it be? I think that, you know, for most people, what's holding people back is rejection and the fear of rejection. And that is why we don't, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. It's why when we want really want something, we can hold the idea of it and what it would be like if we actually got it. We hold on to that fantasy in our head. And if we actually go for it and it doesn't work out, then we actually have to face the reality that it didn't work out. So we just keep it close and we hold on to the fantasy instead. But just like anything else with rejection, you have to practice it. You need to get good at hearing the word no or hearing like, Mm, that's not for me. Thank you. Or I'm not interested. Like the more we hear that, the less it impacts us. And then the more you're going to put yourself out there because it's just not going to matter so much. It is how you build the self-esteem when you hear no, and then your ego or your feelings get hurt or your self-esteem and you got to talk yourself back into it. You know, you're just adding on to like, Oh, I have another layer now. I'm like, I got a thicker self-esteem. So like the next time doesn't sting as bad. And then you do it again. So I, I just, most people are holding themselves back because of that fear of rejection. And it's no different than anything else out there. It's a skill you got to practice. Flex the muscle. Love that. Such, yeah. such gold right there. So for everyone listening, and I am sure I can drop these easily in the show notes, but if they definitely want, they want to know where they can find you. So what's the best way to, to find you? Yeah. Like I stick, I stick to Instagram. It's like really the only platform. I feel like, you know, that movie, um, he's just not that into you when Drew Barrymore talks about like, there's just so many ways for people to break up with you these days. And it's like, there's MySpace, there's this, and then you're mobile and then whatever. Like, I feel the same about just people reaching out. I'm like, I haven't been on LinkedIn in four months. I'm sorry, I missed your message. So like Instagram is definitely the place where I play the most. And it's just my name and Malum. And then you know, in my bio, you can see all the companies and things that I'm up to. So that's probably the best way. 
And if for all the people that are now on, they spark this curiosity of the, the sober journey, they can join the challenge. How does that happen? Yeah. So again, I'll see all the links on my Instagram, but 60 days sober, um, we'll probably redirect that to the new like 90 days sober. And again, we're just, we're making it longer because I, I'm just, I am emboldened by the idea that 90 days is better than 60. And I'm sure 120 is going to be better than that. But I, I, I'm now at a place where like, I don't think about drinking. Like it's just in 60 days, I still did, but having 90 days underneath my belt, like it's like, I don't go to restaurants anymore. And I'm not like, oh, I really want to drink. I'm just like, I'll have a club soda. Like it's not, it's not even part of my, um, my thought process anymore. Not even a decision anymore. It's just, a yeah, thought. exactly. It's like working out. Like I don't have to like amp myself up or need willpower. I just, I just do. So good. Thank you so much for carving out the time to have this conversation. Um, it's been a lot of fun and it's been I'm just very grateful. Yeah, I've, I appreciate you having me and uh, have fun at Solid Core tonight. Yeah, absolutely. We'll catch cool. you guys on the, on the next episode. If you like what you heard, stop, drop, and leave a five-star review and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, the best way that you can thank our amazing guests is to share your biggest takeaway and then tag us on social media.